track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop with a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Roto Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me as always in this project is my buddy Marcus. Marcus, how are you? JT, I'm doing well. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to be here talking about a new season, man. Um, <laughs> pumped off of the uh, the windmill jam that you threw down at the, the end teaser uh, at the end of the last episode. So here we are talking about a new season. It's always exciting to kick off a new season. Uh, it's just sad to let it go sometimes. I feel like we're – a lot of these types of projects, right, you, you work chronologically. So the natural progression would have been, oh, let's see what continues after WrestleMania. You're in that season. You're feeling good. But then we do a radical change off of it. So yeah. gone are China and the early days of Kurt Angle and the man Helmsley regime and uh, kind of, I guess. That's still around. But uh, <laughs> we are fast-forwarding almost 20 years, Marcus, and – as part of this project, we were really laying out the parameters early on. We decided we were going to make the call to separate NXT into its own season. Um, you know, we could have done it as part of WWE. I just feel like it would have unfairly skewed the main product because NXT really is presented as its own entity for the bulk of its existence. Right. Uh, they have their own special events, their own stories. So I think we just felt like it would be a little unfair to lump in given the quality of these cards and the way they're presented are completely radically different. So it just felt like unfair to tack on these super shows where there's only five matches, tighter presentation, you know, an average of like three and a half to four and a half stars. Like it is, it felt unfair, an unfair boost to some real shaky pay-per-view years later on, uh, especially like 17, 18, 18, 19, stuff like that. So 
we just decided NXT should exist as its own. Uh, we didn't want to not do it, though, because we wanted to watch the takeovers and talk about them and stuff. So we just decided to make NXT its own entry into this. So we'll be covering takeover seasons from um, the network era on. So I think we decided what with uh, 14, 15 would be the first one we included NXT for. Yep. Yeah. Which and- I think made sense. And I think, you know, there, there's definitely arguments to be, to be made uh, for including, for not including. But I think mm-hmm. we landed right in the middle. And I think this is the happy medium and the best way to, you know, fairly include NXT uh, takeover events and everything else NXT associated that we're going to be adding into this project. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's a separate brand. It's a separate entity. It has its own rosters. Um, but I think the main thing that really sticks out to me as we start this season um, is that it has its own demographic, whereas Raw, SmackDown, the pay-per-views, they're trying to cater to anybody and everybody who might right. tune in. Like, you know, what is the casual wrestling fan? Does the casual wrestling fan exist? You know, mm-hmm. how much of that audience is just made up of, you know, uh, husband, wives, parents, whatever, you know, just taking the kids or, you know, going with a family member or friend, just hanging out, you know, how, how dialed in are people into, you know, the roster and what's going on. Whereas with this takeover and these takeover events, um, it's very clear, you know, who the audience is for this, um, catering to that audience, not trying to really grow that audience either, really feeding in, building that rabid fan base. But like, what ECW and other companies couldn't do that really catered into one fan base, you know, the 18 to 49 famous demographic. Um, NXT has a billionaire's budget. Yep. And I think that is the deciding factor for me um, as far as, you know, to what point to include it. You know, I don't think it's necessarily canon WWE with the main roster product, but also I don't think you can act like it, didn't happen because these are chronicled. I lived through it. I remember watching them, uh, at least most of them. Um, so I think we land in a good spot with this. I agree. And I think starting obviously with the takeover era makes sense before that's pretty much just TV. So, um, I would say, yeah, let's, let's start there and we're going to keep the same schedule cadence. So we're going to start with the first takeover post mania and end with the mania weekend takeover. So, uh, we thought that made sense to stick with that, just to stay true to the format we've set up with these seasons. So uh, we're going to be grading each of these on a plus minus system. We have a series of categories. We give a point for pluses, a point for minuses. Those are really determined to what we you know, decide are above or below replacement level. That's the whole gimmick of the show. So if something's just average or standard, it doesn't get a point. But if it's it's something that improves the show or detracts from the show beyond just what a standard show would be, that's where the points come in. We also give a a match grade that we break down for each match, and then we kind of take an average out of those and and count that. But Marcus, do you want to run down what our categories are quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So we factor in build. Uh, What happened on the TV, any memorable moments or angles or matches leading into the event itself, commentary, um, pretty self-explanatory there. The atmosphere of the event, that could be anything from the sets to the lighting to camera work, to the crowd, crowd chants, um, crowd fights, anything mm-hmm. that may uh, add or subtract from the atmosphere itself. Notable moments and importance. So this is for possibly big title wins, big matches, big debuts, uh, things of that nature that would factor into the show. Match grades, as you mentioned, card structure. Um, so 
Do they have a hot opener? Do they have a poor opener? Does everything build to the main event? Um, did matches go too long or too short? We do consider stuff like that into card structure. Rewatchability, that goes to maybe big spots, big moments, um, even fun matches, which may not crack our next category. That could all be uh, captured in the rewatchability category. All-time matches. That is for any match that we decide is an all-time match. So that it would, is uh, a match that gets a final war of 4.25 and above. That is um, in the plus category. Or an all-time bad match, which is anything below a 0.75 for us. And then we add all that up. We total it up. And we get our final war score for the event. All right. So we're going to kick off this season <clears throat> with NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. So the second one they did in Chicago, uh, this is part of Money in the Bank Weekend 2018. Took place on June 16th, 2018 from the Rosemont, uh, Illinois All-State Arena, 11,000 in attendance. So this is on the Saturday night before Money in the Bank. Um, our first one post-Mania. And I, I would say, Marcus, like, this is the... I think NXT can be looked at as like kind of three eras, like the initial post network launch era kind of buoyed by like Owens and Zane and those guys. Then you kind of have like the middle era, which was like Samoa Joe, Nakamura, mm-hmm. et cetera. Drew McIntyre, like those guys. And then you have the like final stage era before the 2.0 conversion before the COVID which is what this is to me. This is like Undisputed Era, um, Ciampa and Gargano, you know, Walter comes in eventually. Like, like to me, that's like that era right before COVID kind of puts the knife, COVID slash AW put the knife in NXT as we knew it for that period. <laughs> so this is like fully mature, late age NXT to me where we're at right now. Yeah, and I'm interested uh, as we get other NXT seasons into the fray. Um, you mentioned those other eras. It seems like the roster turnover was happening at a much faster clip. Uh, mm-hmm. Those other two eras, whereas this one, uh, I feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of the same acts um, throughout right. this season. And then whatever the follow-up season to this will be, um, which I guess would be the 1920 uh, NXT season. Okay. On commentary of Vic Joseph, Nigel McGinnis, and Percy Watson, we had two dark matches. Bianca Belair defeated Dakota Kai, and the War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe, defeated the mighty Nick Miller and Shane Thorne. So those were our pre-shows. We have a five-match card we're going to dig into, so let's get to our opener, which is the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong with Adam Cole, taking on uh, the challengers for the tag team titles, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Of course, Undisputed Era were the tag team champions. They were littered with gold. At this point, I liked this match out of the gate. I'm a fan of starting with the tag stuff because it was such a red hot pace. Uh, Strong and O'Reilly have tremendous chemistry. I think Roddy Strong is underrated historically, and I think he's awesome through uh, the bulk of his NXT run. Um, a lot of strong moments. I don't know how much Bill, like Birch and Lorcan, had coming into this uh, as a team, but they really delivered. They stepped up and made the most of this moment. They hang right in. The crowd was actually a little bit pro undisputed era through a chunk of this mm-hmm. as well uh, which is interesting even though they're the heels through most of this run uh we go 16 minutes so it's that sweet spot of like 
time to breathe and let the tag match develop, but not hitting that over dramatic like 25 minute type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So 16 lets it cook, but doesn't feel like you're dragging. And O'Reilly and Strong end up retaining the tag team titles. So I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was a great opener. Uh, I'm a big fan of the NXT tag division, especially during the Undisputed Era time period. Uh, so this is a really nice start to our season. Yeah, I think the Undisputed Era during this uh, third era of NXT is definitely the most over and enjoyable act um, that NXT has. Um, I think the merchandise backs that up. I think the fan reaction backs that up as well. And then the in-ring quality. Uh, you can take any of the four members and pair them however you want. Um, and they're going to have match of the night, in my opinion. Um, and I also think that they are so good at knowing how to be heels in this you know, I guess millennial generation mm-hmm. of, um, you know, the typical heel stuff, you know, uh, you think like Hogan Memphis kind of work, you know, like right. that's gone and out the window. But what they know how to do is give enough to the audience that they're enjoying the match and that they're getting behind them and being invested into everybody in the match, but not overshadowing, uh, overshadowing who they're working with and not making the baby faces look bad. And, Maybe the audience does want to see something cool, but the Undisputed Era is going to prevent it from happening. Um, just little things like that. They really know how to work heel. They really mastered that in this NXT era. Um, I went four on the match. This is really, really good. And this was a match going into it where I knew, like, Bertrand Lurkin don't have a chance, but this is more about them getting over in a really good showing um, as we have entered that time of like, it's more about performances than wins and losses necessarily. But that being said, Birch and Lore can have a great performance and get over. This is kind of like hitting a double in your first at bat of the season opening yeah. day, really feeling good coming out for the new season. So it was an exciting way to start watching this, you know, I was like, all right, this is, this is takeover. And I guess I should explain to like, NXT for me is a bit of a black hole. Um, a lot of them occurred on pay-per-view weekends. I would have parties to the pay-per-views or have friends over. It was hard for me to justify from a home standpoint to say, oh, I'm going to watch like this show on Saturday night and then have friends over Sunday night for the pay-per-view. So a lot of them I'd watch later or afterward, but I felt like I never was part of like the live feel of watching them. Most of them I have seen maybe more than once, if that. You know, sometimes I wouldn't even watch everything. I may just catch, like, the big matches. Um, there is a stretch here in 2018 to 19 where I attended a bunch live. This is not one of them, so we'll get to that. But even those, I've only seen probably once, and that was with the live lens over it. So I'm really watching a lot of this for, like, what's ostensibly the first time with a critical eye. So that's been exciting as well to dig in. All right, our next match is Ricochet taking on the Velveteen Dream we all know where uh, things end up going with Velveteen Dream, obviously, uh, sadly. Um, but this is a season where his stock is at its highest. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that plays out because he he's really like a centerpiece act in 2018 uh, into early 19. So we'll see how things go with him. Ricochet, of course, uh, came in with a lot of hype off the indies, got signed here. And uh, was, you know, I think booked and presented strongly out of the gate. He's someone that they really got behind pretty quick. Um, I like this match quite a bit as well. I, I thought it was really damn good. Uh, there was a lot of ebb and control, uh, ebb and uh, flow with the control. Each guy kind of kept coming back. Um, 
you know, in the end, it was more of a mistake that Dream made, right? Going for the elbow, that was too far. We get to see the 630 splash, which always looked awesome. Um, the fact that both guys are so young, too, like, made you feel good about this, especially Velveteen Dream, who at this point is only 22. So it just seemed like, my God, they have, like, this megastar potentially uh, ramping up. They go 22 minutes, so this is a long match. No title or anything in the line. Ricochet gets the win. I went four stars on this, Marcus. So I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I went with a 2.25. This did not pass the eyeball test to me. The story leading into this was anything you can do, I can do better. And I didn't buy it for a single second because I look at the Velveteen Dream. I see somebody who's 6'4", about 220 pounds, and that's a really good size for 2018 WWE. And I take a look at Ricochet who is the best junior heavyweight, high flyer, whatever, cruiserweight, whatever term you want to describe, used to describe the more compact wrestlers. Um, But Ricochet is the best at that in the world at this point. And I see two completely different styles, um, whether it's in character presentation or in ring. And I don't understand um, how they could be trying to best each other in a mirroring sort of fa- uh, fashion because they're opposites and there is nothing you that don't they think that was do. kind of the story that like james a little delusional that he can hang with them no not for a second i did not pick up on that at all like i it, if so like it, it was way too subtle for me or maybe i'm just completely uh mm-hmm. you know not not in tune to uh you know i'm not part of the target audience i did not catch that at all um and the way they work the match you know, they work it as 50-50, and right. it, this is going to be a problem I'm going to have with the Ricochet character. Um, and this is something I got to give credit to uh, my buddy at Not The Tool Man, Tim Taylor, for. Um, you can't be everything. Ricochet is faster. He's quicker. He's a better high flyer. He's supposed to be a better technical wrestler because of this experience he has on the indie scene. And he's supposed to be stronger than everybody else, too. And he's supposed to be tougher than everybody else. Like, you got to have a flaw. Like, you can't be, oh, I do everything guy. That makes it really hard to, like, have an actual match with people of different styles. Um, And I just look at Ricochet. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I... Don't buy Ricochet being as strong as Velveteen Dream, even though the weight difference might not be all that crazy. The height difference is, and for me, I just didn't get behind anything they were doing, um, just because I didn't I didn't buy the story. I didn't get the story. I didn't understand it. Um, I kind of found it to be insulting. <laughs> I was supposed to be believe that these two are supposed to be equal. So, 2.25 for me. All right, we'll see if this is a trend with NXT. Um, <laughs> And it's interesting because, like, I think we're going to get pitted a bit against each other here, uh, whereas I, I think some of this style is just not your favorite. But I'm not a super NXT defender either. Like, I'm not super high on all these guys. Like, I know, like, Aaron has, like, all these matches in his top 100 and a lot of these guys in his top GW. Like, I didn't have those littered throughout. Like, I, I feel differently on it. But I also feel like when I'm watching these, I'm like, wow, these are pretty – pretty damn great so um, yeah. but i'm not also like a diehard defender of a lot of it yeah i will i will say and um putting putting my biases aside i'm just gonna call it straight how it is um sean michaels 
very clearly has a heavy hand in the presentation of NXT during this era. And however you, whatever side of the aisle you fall on, uh, as far as his matches and presentation, mm-hmm. his matches tend to be all about the kickout and the moments that that creates. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And for me, sometimes it doesn't always work or gel well with the actual psychology of the match when you're just trying to get to a moment or a kick out um, and you're not so much worried about the story being told. So I felt like this match was a victim of that. Okay. Well, our next match is for the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler takes on Nikki Cross. Uh, This is okay, I thought. Uh, Baszler really kicked, uh, you know, Cross down, kicked her around a lot. Cross, I... This was this before or after her really hot. This was way after, right? The TV match with Asuka where they go beat the shit of each other. Was that who it was? Asuka and her? They yeah, like this is after that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So she'd already been pretty established as like someone that could work a really high level match. Uh, but this really, to me, felt more like coming in, you knew Cross was likely overmatched with Baszler, and Shayna um, ends up just kind of whipping her and, and beating her clean. So I, I thought it was fine. It was just not for a moment where there are many super believable points that Cross could win. Like there were good near falls, but I thought it felt like a very much a perfunctory defense for Shayna. Um and not like anything was ever in jeopardy. So I went three and a quarter and I think we'll see this for me at least, like for NXT. Um there's like a baseline that most stuff is just going to camp out at. So mm. like even something like this, which pretty much felt, I don't call it a squash. It was cross was competitive, but it felt like a, a foregone conclusion. Like I, I kind of just knew Shana was going to take this. So, but three and a quarter, it's still a really good match. Yeah. The result was never really in question. Uh, it seemed like they had trouble fully getting behind Nikki cross, mm-hmm. uh, starting in NXT, but I was a tick higher. I went 3.5. I enjoyed that there was two different styles here and that these are two completely separate characters and that they played off of that. Um, and that there was some question with like, okay, well, how is Shayna's offense going to play with somebody who is, you know, actually, you know, crazy and playing that part very well. Um, and you know, they get to, uh, the curfew to clutch and, you know, it drags a little too long and, you know, that might come up again later on. But, um, I thought that was like, good character stuff for cross and for Baszler. Um, so I went three and a half on it. All right. Our next match is for the NXT world title. That is Alistair black defending against Lars Sullivan, uh, who gets the title shot here. I know Lars has kind of become like a running gag for a lot of people. Uh, you know, they, they got behind him. Then he had the questionable stuff online. They ended up canning them. Uh, but for this little blip, they at least were pretty behind them. Um, this felt like a very much challenger of the month for black again, mm-hmm. I think back to back with the Shayna match felt like, all right, well now we have like two straight matches where it didn't seem likely we were going to get a title change. I know the card itself was really built around Gargano and Ciampa, which is our main event. Um, but this felt like maybe we could have had something a little more meaty or likely to at least give some potential scare in it. Right. As a as someone that maybe would be hoping for black to retain, et cetera, like, or, or uh, have a credible threat for him. Um, Sullivan works hard and black really carries them. So the match itself is good. Again, it just didn't feel like there was much of a question going into it. Like it, it was obvious to me that there was no way Sullivan was going to end black's reign. Uh, that said, it does do take two black masses to put Sullivan down, 
uh, which was good. So that made Sullivan look tough. And like Black had to really work hard to retain. So I went three and a quarter here as well. I thought it was about on par with the Shayna match. Very similar to me. Um, they even go about similar lengths. The Shayna was just under 10. This is 14. Um, so, you know, knowing they had a big time match on top, I guess they kind of just went this route with Black. And uh, But I do think there's others on the card. They make it a slot in here instead of Lars. That would have been a little bit more, uh, at least put a question into place. When you've got a guy like Lars Sullivan on this 2018 NXT roster, he physically casts a shadow on the rest of the division with his size, Mm -hmm. and it really stands out. So you have to honor that. Again, the eyeball test. Like You have to honor that. That guy can't be left off takeovers. He can't just like win matches and do nothing with him. Uh, So I like that they built him up a little bit, even if he did have the sense of being challenger of the month for Aleister Black. Um, But, you know, Black is, you know, he's he's a strong world champion. And I really enjoy Aleister Black's work during this run. Um, So I don't mind that, like, Mm -hmm. okay, he kind of got fed somebody, but, like, at least it's a physically imposing character uh, and guy that, you know, he's having to challenge and something he's going to have to overcome and, you know. Can he survive like the strength and power advantage that this guy has? You know, Alistair Black's a really solid sized dude for NXT for wrestling and period. Um, so like that size advantage was not something we had to see before, if I remember correctly. So I liked again, I liked the different characters interacting here, the different styles I thought made for a fun matchup. I went three and a quarter. Um, yeah, overall not offensive and overall decently enjoyable. All right, our main event, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gagano as we're going through the fallout from the DIY breakup. This, uh, I think, is their second match, right? The first one was in New Orleans. Um, yes. So this is a follow-up to that. Uh, this one, I liked a decent amount. It's a Chicago street fight, so, of course, they're brawling all over. This has a lot of stuff where they rip apart the ring and things get kind of broken apart. We do get a lot of the pathos with the Ciampa taking off Gargano's wedding ring and throwing it into the crowd. So you get that playing into this. Um, you know, this is, I think, where we're going to really start to run into where our stance on NXT is. Because there are folks I know that love all of these, right, that are like five stars across the board on everything. Um, I know you feel feel differently on most of them. <laughs> um, I'm in the middle. Like, I'm I'm not, like, saying these are the best matches of all time. But I'm also not super down on it. Uh, It was clear that this was going to be uh, still part of the story. I mean, Ciampa wins. Like, you got to figure at some point we're going to get to Gargano perhaps winning. Or at least we'll see where things end up. Um, You know, this goes almost 40 minutes. They brawl everywhere. I thought the crowd stayed in it. I know. I think there are, again, will be a running theme with these guys. Like, there's multiple spots where this could have ended for sure. But it kind of goes on. That said, I still like this quite a bit. I haven't watched the New Orleans match in a long time, um, and it's not going to be part of the season, so I can't say whether it's the best of them or not, uh, but I went four and a half on this. When WWE buys into something, they don't just like make a side investment. They go all in, mm-hmm. and it's not going to come up in this season, but there's that tremendous Andrade versus Johnny Gargano match from whatever Royal Rumble takeover Philly. Yes. Yep. Um, and for many, that's four and a half. That's five. Like I, you know, we'll get to it. That's like the best match I've seen live. So yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and watch it, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be five for me. Um, but following that, 
It's like, oh, people like that, huh? Oh, it was good. Well, how about we do that all the time for every main event match at <laughs> NXT TakeOver? And, oh, my gosh, I never want to sit through this again. And it's not a knock on any of the two guys. They're great professional wrestlers. Um, but it's just too much. It, it's it's too much for me. Um, the spots, like, the, you know, again, I could feel hypocritical, like, um, trying to, you know, or maybe unqualified is a better term. Like, I feel unqualified, you know, questioning their move placement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, as a spectator, like, I think this is the match where Gargano's neck is wrapped around a steel chair and it goes into the ring steps. Mm. I think that's this match. Um, if not, it happens in another one that we'll cover, and I'll ding it there, too. Like, just some of the move placement and spot placement is out of line for me, and... Any match that involves um, ripping up the canvas and exposing the wood, um, I know you mentioned it as a positive earlier. I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum there. I can't stand it because people don't know how hard a wrestling ring is. So when you rip it up, you're just exposing that like, oh, yeah, see, it is fake. It's just like a trampoline. And it's not like it hurts a lot. Um, and when he exposed the wood, I don't think people can understand like the pain that like, just falling on wood has either. Mm. So like, who, who are you working here? Like you're just making things more dangerous for yourself and people don't understand the difference between the pads being exposed or not. Um, it's just a big eye roll for me. And again, that's just, um, just something about me. I, I don't like it. I, I haven't ever liked it in any match, whether it's Bubba and, and AJ and TNA or Brock and uh, Taker doing it in the cell. I just always hate that spot. Um, it's just, again, it's too much. It's too much for me. I, I went with three. Um, I probably could have went lower. Uh, being reminded that it went 40 plus minutes. <laughs> I should have went down to two. But um, the work itself, you're talking about two great professional wrestlers. The work is scandal-proof. There is no holes in their game. You're not going to see uh, really any errant strikes or anything like that. Like Everything's on the money. The work is all tight. But just the layout of the match itself, it, it's way too much, in my opinion. So this was the one with the chair on the post. Okay. It's also yeah. the one where Ciampa gets on the neck brace and the stretcher and then Gargano oh attacks him. So it's a lot, of, a lot of, like I said, a lot of pathos in here, but it's... I don't know. I, I thought it was great. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the ending was was clever, um, and the fans were into it quite a bit too. So um, that's that. All right. So that's our matches. So what we do is we assume an average match grade is two and a half. We take my grade plus Marcus's grade, get the average of that, and then we um, plus or minus it from two and a half to get the war score. So for an example, our opener. I went four and a quarter. Marcus went four. The average was 4.125. Round that up to 4.25. And then uh, 2.5 to that is 1.75 for the score, if that makes sense. So slow it down if you need to re-listen to that. We do that for every match and total up. It gives us a total score of 5.5 for the matches uh, for this show. So that's a very strong score. We don't get too, too many mm. uh, usually in that range. So as expected, I think these NXT shows are going to have a lot of um, strong total match grades, it'll be the ancillary stuff that will really make or break a lot of them because the short cards, they don't often have like a ton of build, um, not a ton of moments because it's very match, 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 right? So we'll see how it all plays out. 
All right, so let's get to our plus minus. For the Bills, we gave a point four, uh, a well-set-up tag team title feud. A point four, their dream ricochet feud over, um, you know, ricochet earning versus dream being handed a push. Uh, a point for a badass bully Shanda Baszler dealing with the batshit Nikki Cross. And then uh, two points for the really long build for Ciampa Gargano that's been going since DIY plus Gargano's neck being part of the story as well. So um, it's a good build to all these matches. Yeah, and for the minuses, uh, we did go a minus for Lars Sullivan. Felt forced uh, going into the title match. Again, a big character, big guy, um, but flavor of the month, challenger of the month for Black. Uh, with, you know, he felt like a lame duck challenger, and there was an obvious outcome and finish to that match as well. All right, so then that's out to a four for Bill, though. So pretty strong, just with the one negative of Sullivan. So, again, there's only so many matches that they usually all have build on them, right? You don't really get too many throwaways on takeovers. All right, commentary. Uh, we give a point for Vic Joseph on pay, play-by-play. Thought he was very strong. He called the action. Didn't really get dragged into any of the nonsense. Uh, Nigel uh, was good with his personal insights. So gave a point to him, his work throughout the night. Also give a point to Nigel telling a really good story of Dream upping his game as he tries to match or pass Ricochet to show out. Gave a point for them doing a nice job uh, telling Nikki Cross's story. And then a point for them explaining all the deep history between Gargano and Ciampa uh, heading into their match. So, uh, you know, some pretty good positives for the commentary. Yeah, let's get into the minuses, though. Percy Watson, old Showtime. Random video game sound bites. We went minus two there because... Marcus is reading the note. (laughs) (laughs) And it's that for a two and a half or three hours. Mm -hmm. And there's no consistency to him. Like, it's like somebody just randomly hit like a Percy Watson soundboard. And like, yeah, that's it. It's just random clips. It sounds like he's doing audio for SmackDown versus Raw, whatever, where you just get like the laid in sound bites. Yeah. You don't know what Chop is going to do next. (laughs) um more more love for percy here uh as he says the ricochet um maybe percy is Only also Brad from calgary alberta uh, the ricochet <laughs> the ricochet nigel says crucial part of the match before the finishing stretch of multiple matches and that was like an audio cue that i caught on to several times like i noticed it early with the first match and then the second match and the third match i'm like okay like I don't know what they're trying to do if they're just trying to tell people like, hey, everything you just watched, like if you were talking or grabbing a sandwich or whatever, but like this is now important. Uh, Vix Joseph identifying every pin attempt and tag. Again, it does give a certain level of urgency uh, to point those things out because the match could end with any pin attempt and mm-hmm. the tags are important. So, you know, who is the legal man? But when it does disrupt the flow of commentary um, and natural conversation, it can work to the commentary's detriment. Serious lagging commentary reacting to some of the moves, like Ricochet and Dream do a big suplex to the floor with both men land flat. And there are good, like, three to five seconds late on the delay. Like, they're supposed to be looking at the monitor. The monitor clearly showed it, but, like, I don't know who's in their ear or what they got going on, but, like, they don't call it for a couple seconds. And it ju- just weird things like that stand out. Um, you know, watching the show and listening to the commentary. All right, so a bunch of negatives there, and that's just out to a negative one on commentary. Um, so we'll see as the season goes on. Is that consistent? Atmosphere, this is, I think, where NXT is really going to pull in a lot on top of the match grades. 
um, just because of how hot these crowds usually are for all of this stuff. Give a point for the really good opening package. It quickly set up all the top matches. You know, I'm coming in cold to this season. This this caught me up on everything right away. It was it was concise and to the point. We gave a point for the awesome, of course, Undisputed Era entrance and pop. That'll always get points for me. Uh, really cool loud ring mic added to the feel. Like it seemed like everything was mic'd well in this arena. A uh, point for the crowd being molten hot for the tag opener. A point, of course, of Velveteen Dream's entrance, which is always really good. Um, we give a point to all the ring gear across the roster. It's something NXT does well mm-hmm. too. Like they always have special gear for these takeovers. They all look sharp. Uh, we give a point to the awesome crowd during Ricochet Dream. Uh, a point for the crowd getting into Nikki Cross throughout her match. We gave a point for the crowd being super into the finishing stretch of Alistair Black finishing off Lars Sullivan. Give a point for Chompa's no theme entrance, which gives a great air of intensity about him. Mm-hmm. A crowd uh, being fully engaged for the long main event, all 40 minutes of it, gave a point for that. And the unique feel of the ring being destructed made that match stand out. It was very different. So I know you weren't a huge fan of it, but I think from an atmosphere point of view, it adds to it. It makes that match stick out and memorable when you say, oh, which one's that? Oh, the one with the ring, right? So that that counts for something. Uh, So a lot of positives from an atmosphere standpoint. It counts for something, all right. Let's look at the minuses, though. The crowd uh, not really being interested in Dolorkin and Birch during the match, waiting until the match is over to kind of gain their respect and give them – the adulation they so truly deserve uh the crowd also being quiet for the women until the end where you get the um the pass out spot with nikki cross and unwarranted fight forever chance throughout the night no thanks (laughs) well a lot of points here for atmosphere so that's a full nine so that's a big banger for them all right notable moments and importance we gave a point for uh birch's takeover debut a point for the standing ovation for lorkin and birch was a really cool moment for them a point for that suplex you mentioned earlier where Dream takes Ricochet out to the floor. We give a point for Dream losing clean, which felt like a big win for Ricochet to defeat him that way. Uh, a point for Nikki Cross passing out while smiling, which is a really cool moment. Gave a point for Keith Lee's takeover debut. Where he's in the crowd. We'll see a lot of these crowd debuts as takeover goes on, uh, which gives it like that UFC style vibe. Mm-hmm. A point for the bloody Lars Sullivan daring Black to finish him before the Black Mass. Uh, a point for Ciampa pulling off Cargado's wedding ring, spitting on it, and throwing it away. So uh, a bunch of moments there going on through the show. But again, not a ton because it's such such a limited uh, amount of action. Yeah, let's take a look at the minuses, though. Uh, cross lasting too long in the Baszler choke and getting that whole visual set up. Again, uh, this era has a certain somebody's thumbprint all over it. And um, I think the match itself took a backseat to setting up the moment. Uh, telegraph to finish there. The officials getting involved in the main event to help Champa, uh, even though the match wasn't over. Like, oh, you've gone too far, or you know, right, right. Let's go help. I'm like, yeah. But then suddenly there's no refs around for <laughs> the finish, and it's just inconsistency. And it's again these kind of inconsistencies where it's more about setting up the moment than the actual match or honoring your intelligence. So um, uh, that's it for the minuses, though. All right, so still positive, but low, uh, five total for that. We gave a 5.5 for the match grades. Uh, for card structure, we went with them, a uh, point for starting hot with the Undisputed Era entrance, always a good choice, and closing with a top match, of course, gets a point. They could have closed with Black uh, with the title, but it would have been impossible. You had to close with Gargano and Ciampa. Yeah. Um, for the minuses here, we got a long second match, risk losing the crowd. Uh, weak world title feud that doesn't close a show. Uh, like I said, we can't 
close with it, but at the same time, like you want to have better for a world champion, I think, or do more. To well, if he had a better feud, maybe it could have, right? Right. It's yeah. just him and Sullivan. No way. You know. Yeah. Um, a lot of downtime during the main event, uh, between the drawn out drama and all the stretcher stuff. There's just a lot of downtime in general. Like it's 40 minutes. I don't, uh, yeah, I've said all I needed to say about that, but, um, yeah, they really stretch out, like getting to the stretcher and the drama and all the, <laughs> the pathos, as you say. Um, yeah, so yep, that's it for minuses. All right, rewatchability. One with the Gargano driver driver off the cases to the tables was really cool looking. That was that was gnarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, known minuses there, and surprisingly enough, no all time matches. Uh, we'll see if that continues, courtesy <laughs> Marcus, throughout the NXT <laughs> seasons. Um, but as of now, no all time matches, no bad either. So gives us a total war of twenty two point five, which is pretty strong uh, overall. That that puts it into top seven category for us it is tied with no way out 2000 uh, we gave no way out 2000 the slight bump because of importance only a half a point behind SummerSlam 2011 which is regarded as a top pay-per-view of all time and it's got some space between the show below it so our series 11 at 18.75 so um pretty pretty damn good showing here for chicago too and i think you know we'll see will the nxts continue to filter into this top end of the list i think you would assume so yeah i feel like this era nxt might kind of take the money in the bank style formula of Mm -hmm. 2011 and just have like a really trim show but everything is tight and everything's good um high match quality and the moments that do happen it may not be you know they may not put up 100 shots but it might be more efficient um you know, more things uh, might hit by taking less shots. So, right. Um, you know, I, I think that's a good sign, though, because I think a concern we had going into this was like, hey, these takeover shows, they don't necessarily have a ton going on. But as we're seeing, like maybe more stuff is going on than what we remember. Um, and once you fully dive into these shows, uh, I think the quality is really, really uh, sticking out. But as we move on to our next show, we'll see if that uh, continues. All right, <clears throat> so why don't we head over to that next show and um, <clears throat> get to the back end of our episode here tonight. And as part of doing this NXT seasons, we decided we would also include NXT UK for their takeovers uh, to really blow these out because, you know, those are pretty big deals too, especially a few of them. We're not going to just do those as their own season. They're still under the NXT banner. So our next episode or our next show we're going to talk about is the United Kingdom Championship Tournament from 2018. Night one. We'll get to night two on our next episode. So we're going to cover both nights. Um, this occurred on June 18th, 2018 from Royal Albert Hall in Kensington, London, England. Had a lot of hype. The NXT UK brand had just recently been, um, you know, teased uh, to uh, become a thing, right? Over the last year or so. 2017, we had the tournament to determine the first UK champion. And that special aired the year earlier. On April 18th, the second tournament event was scheduled for this uh, outing here. And we, uh, you know, we'd have featuring wrestlers from the new UK brand that was being established. So 
that's all kind of coming into play here. Johnny Saint was announced as the general manager of the UK brand mm-hmm. uh, in the weeks leading up to this. So uh, they really were putting a lot of hype. They even did a bracketology special on the network. Uh, and it's going to feature 16 wrestlers in the tournament. We'd have additional matches as well. So night one uh, covers the quarters and the semis. Round one occurred, I think, at like different, was it like the Download Festival, I think, was where round one occurred. Um, and I think they just kind of showed highlights of those, right? Yeah, it might have taken place in Rio de Janeiro, for all I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, this is overall a really cool time. Um, I actually, you know, I don't would say I'm friends necessarily, but, like, peers with a lot of people um, on these shows and as, as a part of NXT UK. And this was a really cool time to kind of see, like, this is kind of like my first group of peers um, making it up to that next level. So super happy for them. A lot of good dudes uh, getting an opportunity. Um, Mustache Mountain, Pete Dunn, notably. Um, you know, those are all good dudes I've been able to wrestle with and uh, able to share locker rooms and and share some good times with. So super cool to see them get this opportunity. And um, yeah, I guess we'll dive into the show. So here was the first round that occurred at the Download Festival and NXT tapings. Uh, Zach Gibson defeated Amir Jordan. Jack Gallagher defeated Drew Gulak. Flash Morgan Webster went over James Drake. Jordan Devlin over Tyson T-Bone. Joe Coffey over Tucker. Dave Mastiff beat Kenny Williams. Travis Banks beat Leggero. And Ashton Smith knocked off Joseph Connors. So that was the first round to set up the quarters that will occur on the show we're about to talk about here. So why don't we dive into the matches and go over our grades. So the opener saw Jack Gallagher take on Zach Gibson. Um, you know, I, I thought as an opener, it was perfectly fine. Had a lot of good psychology, some good selling um, with Gibson going after Gallagher's arm. I thought Gallagher's comebacks were well-timed. Um, I guess I was kind of surprised that Gallagher lost when watching this. I know he had the deal with 205 Live already and was kind of busy there, mm-hmm. but you'd think the name guy would have gone a little bit further. Um, but I guess this is more about establishing the UK NXT guys anyway, so maybe Gallagher losing as a name guy meant something. Uh, but I thought this is a fine enough opener. I went three and a quarter. Uh, you know, get, get the crowd, kind of set the tone, let you take a look at the Royal Albert, which also always looks awesome um, as, an, as a, a venue. Um, so I, I thought this is fine. I liked the arm work. It was focused and the psychology was solid. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I just landed a little bit lower with my uh, rating. I went with a 2.75, but it's a solid enough opener. Um, maybe overstayed just a couple minutes for my liking, but I, I think that's just a natural occurrence during this time is matches tend to run a little bit longer, but uh, totally fine opener with, you know, a fun act like Gallagher and it sets up um, nicely our story with Gibson uh, winning with his uh, submission. I know it's got a name. I'm going to call it the barely legal because Barry Dosser, Barry Darso called it the barely legal. <laughs> I'm going to call it the barely legal. Very good. I think we'll see a lot of these matches on a show like this, or you know, again, there's a baseline, right? For where they could go, but also the way they're being worked here, like nothing may not pop uh, to really dominate. So we'll see how steady it can go. All right, our second match of the night featured Joe Coffey defeating Bull Dave Mastiff. Um, you know, Mastiff's a bigger guy, right? He's kind of like a super heavyweight. Coffey was kind of a, a stark, no, it's starch, no, whatever it is, stocky. He's solid, yeah. Solid. 
Um, it was okay. Like it was solid. Again, I, I, I went three and a quarter again. Um, I, I thought coffee showed up. Okay. Here. I like Mastiff a decent amount. Um, but here he looked a little bit probably, I don't want to say limited, but just kind of did what he could. And, um, I think coffee just kind of out wrestled them, I guess. Yeah. It's two sturdy dudes. Um, <laughs> maybe we're out there for uh, a little bit too long, but uh, I went with a, a war of three for this matchup. Um, overall, pretty solid. Yeah. Yep. All right. Third match on the card was Flash Morgan Webster defeating Jordan Devlin. Um, <clears throat> so I went two and three quarters here. That's a little disappointing. It was a little short, honestly. Um, Could have maybe got a couple extra minutes if given the time. I was really surprised that Devlin lost this match. I thought for sure. He was going to go because it talked all about how Balor trained him. He seemed like they're presenting him to make a run. So when he lost clean, uh, it really surprised me. And I know they kind of talked about Devlin like scuffling around this time too. Um, even his Spanish fly. So I was surprised. This was the first real upset for me um, of the night was him losing to Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah, um, Webster is a, is a pretty fun babyface. Um, you know, he's got a cool look uh, with the glasses and the jacket and the helmet and everything like that. And Devlin is somebody who I think will always be like big things coming for him next year. You know, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is kind of the start of that. And I'm I was a little surprised by the outcome as well. Mm. But it was nice to see a babyface go over. I know Coffee is I guess technically supposed to be a babyface, but he's not in the same traditional um, white meat baby face that, you know, right. Flash Morgan Webster is cut from. All right. Next up was Travis Banks defeating Ashton Smith um, to close out the quarterfinals. Again, like this was solid. I thought Banks looked, looked pretty good. Um, Smith pretty much took a beating for the, for most of the match. This is probably the most uneven of the four we saw so far. The finish looks cool. He has the fisherman's buster to end it um so this was really just kind of banks getting warmed up i don't i didn't think uh they let smith give much resistance for him so i again went two and three quarters it just felt like a bit of a yeah just a beat down yeah i know travis banks is like a more established guy for the uk brand and he was you know a guy that they were planning on kind of building around Mm -hmm. um but i mean I don't think Ashton Smith was the best person to put him in there with because I thought right. Ashton Smith looked way cooler than, uh, you know, this this pasty, mm-hmm. small little UK dude. I don't know what his deal is, you know, uh, New Zealand bushwhacker Loki. Um, I much would have preferred Smith. I thought he had the better look, and I was much more fascinated with his uh, character and presentation than Banks. So I went with uh, a war two for this match. All right, we take a break from the tournament. We get a women's triple threat to determine the number one contender for the title. Uh, that that match would occur the next night with um, whoever wins this would take on Shayna Baszler, uh, who would be popping over to defend the NXT women's title. So this featured Tony Storm defeating Killer Kelly and Isla Dawn. I, I, Isla? Isla? Isla, right? Uh, Isla, I think. Isla. Oh, wow. I'm way off. So, Isla sorry. Dawn. Even better. Um, so it's I, I, fine. Two and a half stars to me. Tony Storm goes over. Like watching this, I wasn't super excited for the prospects of what could be the NXT UK women's division. Like I thought Isla looked solid. I didn't think Kelly gave much. It only went five minutes. Um, it felt kind of shoehorned in here. I get it. Like there's a lot going on, but 
looking at this, it was clear that Tony Storm was the kind of queen of the the crop um, and would be winning this. And it didn't, uh, it felt really express line. Like it probably would have been better off just making Storm fight Baszler the next night versus earning it. You know what I mean? Right. And I know they had, you know, I think they had their eyes kind of set on Killer Kelly because she's you know, everything that they're looking for. Like she is you know, mm-hmm. attractive. She's a good wrestler. She has experience, but she's also really young. Um, so like she checks all four like the major boxes they're looking for, and I think they wanted to protect her. They got uh, Isla Dawn in there. Um, you know, she's in there for reasons. It's got Tony Storm, um, you know, the crown jewel of the UK women's division. I think this match would have been better off as a singles match between Tony Storm and fill in the blank or just do a promo segment with Tony Storm right. and then have this match there to break things up um, and do Kelly versus Dawn one on one. But I think a triple threat match served nobody any favors other than getting all three of the women on the show. And I think in 2018, we're past the point for the. Uh, quote unquote obligatory girls match. <laughs> right. And as you know, as as they are like, you know, guess kind of clutching for female stars, you can do Tony Storm doing a promo and you can do Kelly and Dawn out there for a singles match. Um or just know. skip it because you have a singles ladies match the next night plus the yeah. title match for the women. So like you got two on the next night. I think you could have got away with Storm just doing a profile piece in an interview here. Um, if you're only going to go five minutes, you got all those matches for the tournament to get through. It just felt like they probably didn't need anything else there. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're on the same page. I went to, uh, again, just didn't serve anybody any favors. I thought, um, nobody had the chance to stand out and Tony storm was the clearer focal piece. So just do more to kind of express lane that. All right, back to the tournament we go uh, for our semifinal match between Zach Gibson and Flash Morgan Webster. Gibson gets the win, so he goes to the finals. I went three stars on this. I, you know, I feel like we're starting to slide into just like this typical tournament, one night tournament type stuff, right? Like we're kind of going express line. They're kind of hitting the high spots and getting out. This went again about five minutes. Um, you want to see more of these guys, but not in this card because you're kind of wearing down. Mm-hmm. But like a match between Gibson and Webster could be really fun given what we saw here. But it felt like a uh, just an express line greatest hits version of what they could probably do. Uh, but there was some good work and psychology within it. Just we didn't get enough of it. Yeah, some solid chemistry. I kind of felt like this was them going out there playing their greatest hits. I went with a uh, war three for this match. Um, and putting over the submission hole with the barely legal. So um, nothing wrong here. Uh, one, so one thing um, I did not mention before this match, we can just, we'll get into it later, but just to call it out is they did the big announcement um, about NXT UK. So Triple H came out, he got a big pop, put over the building, talk about them, uh, you know, finally kind of making this into a brand. Brings out Johnny Saint, uh, who came out to uh, officially take over as general manager and then officially announced the commencement of the NXT UK brand. It had only been kind of in theory before this. And now this is where they say, like, hey, it's starting. 
we're going to have a women's division and a tag division, and it starts July 28th in Cambridge. So they make the official real announcement that the brand is beginning within the next two months and will be an ongoing thing. So I, I thought that was kind of a cool moment. Yeah, it was it was a neat moment for the live crowd and to kind of get this uh, kickstarted properly on air uh, to give it its own uh, um, announcement during the show. Because I remember they made a pretty big deal about mm-hmm. like the the UK tryouts and doing a camp yep. over there. And you had heard that all these guys had been signed to some kind of contract, but you know the exact um, project was not known yet. Yeah. So that's that. All right, semifinal number two, Travis Banks uh, knocks off Joe Coffey. Again, just we're chugging through these. So just like the last match, I went three stars on Webster Gibson, went three stars on Coffey Banks as well. To me, it felt uh, just very much in line with that. You know, you have Coffey selling the rib injury, so they're kind of playing that up. Went back and forth. It felt pretty good. Um, you know, I thought Coffey would maybe win uh, heading in, but Banks seems to be the face of choice uh, to head to the finals to take on Gibson, who's kind of been presented as a heel. So it looked like, uh, yeah, we're heading that way with Banks versus Gibson. Three Again, stars, Banks, sorry, sorry uh, three for you, 2.25 for me. I just don't find Banks to be terribly interesting. And I know they're going to do a little something, something with coffee in the future, but at this point he's also not doing too much for me. So, mm-hmm. um, 2.25 and yeah I, I just again like if this was maybe a four-person tournament maybe right. that would have um, better suited my interest as opposed to the traditional eight-man but I also appreciate the grueling nature and the endurance factor that the eight-man tournament brings and coffee attacks banks after so it looks like they're setting him up to be a top heel perhaps once the show starts so that that begins for him all right, we take another break from the tournament as we get a six-man tag between British Strong Style, which is the future Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven, and their buddy Pete Dunn, taking on the Undisputed Era of Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. So Undisputed Era make their trip over here. Of course, Pete Dunn is the current UK champion. He had won the title uh, since our last tournament. So... He is uh, reigning here. So we get to see the champion on night one. He'll be defending against the tournament winner on night two. But it's cool that they have him work this match as well. I was a pretty fun six man. Um, you know, one of, I wouldn't say my most favorite match of the night because I do end up liking the main event, but it's close. So I went 3.75 on this. I thought they did a great job. The crowd was super into it. The match was rocking. It's about what do you expect from these guys? They gave him 13 minutes. Um, I, I think if they gave him another five, it could have really went even further because uh, all six guys are great they told a really good story plus you have the crowd just super hot for british strong style and they go over clean which is cool um so i, I this is a really cool moment and match and gives you a glimpse of Dunn before his big title defense here we go baby this is uh more my speed mm. i went with four uh we've got six bona fide studs i think um i enjoyed everything about this matchup it will, did only go 13 minutes. I felt like they only got into third gear. Um, a lot of meat left on the bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to see all sorts of combinations of these guys continue to interact as the season goes. So maybe it's better they didn't go out there and put on a full five-star classic. Um, but that said, like 3.75 for you, four for me. This was my match of the night. Um, for you know, You'll talk about mm-hmm. the main event a little bit more. But uh, a really, really great match. All right, Shawn Michaels comes out. So a great uh, match followed by a great moment for you. 
Uh-huh. Uh, and he pretty much just puts over the brand. Uh, not much there. Just kind of talks up what UK uh-huh. NXT UK will be. Just to, I think it's just to buy a moment, you know, before our main event, which is the finals for the UK number one contender championship tournament. Zach Gibson versus Travis Banks. And I really did like this match quite a bit. Uh, I thought it was an excellent way to end the tournament. Longest match of the show going almost 20 minutes. I went four stars on this. I liked it more than I expected to going into it because I wasn't super high on either guy, honestly, throughout the night. I thought they were they were good. Um, but there was a lot of good back and forth. I liked the arm work. The crowd was super into it, even though they had a chance to fade after that six man. Um, I think you've mentioned Banks being a bit milk toasty as a face. I think that's one thing that hurt this, perhaps. If they would have had a hotter face in place coming into the main event, could have meant more. Um, but Gibson does go over, so he'll face Pete Dunne. And when this tournament started, when I looked at the names or looked at the opening matches, I would not have guessed he'd be the winner. So they did a good job kind of mixing it up and giving us a different winner. He'll face Pete Dunne uh, tomorrow night on part two. Um, but I thought the crowd stayed into it. And it was a really well-worked match. So four stars for me. Yeah, I like how they gave Gibson a clear path to victory. Uh, mm-hmm. They established him as a heel going forward. Um, at no point was the crowd even like tempted or divided to try to cheer him um or take away from his opponent uh he was the clear heel so that definitely worked his advantage all night he had a clear purpose and story um he had a move that he was using all night that's always a nice thread to follow along with the tournament um banks milk toasty thank you for that um mm-hmm. that just yeah he just uh, nothing happened for me um don't buy him in peril don't buy him um as a top bb face of any kind um, so 3.25 for me, but, um, solid limb work, good storytelling. Um, I like how the match ends with the, uh, barely legal as well. So Gibson has a clear hold that he's going to use. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, what would, uh, <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon say? Um, but you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a clear, uh, I guess number to dance with here. Right. All right, so that gives us a total uh, war score of 4.75 for the matches. So pretty high there uh, for sure. Let's take a look at our uh, categories, and then we'll wrap things up here as we go through. So uh, builds, we gave 8.4, just really good basic tournament build presentation, the bracketology, the first round on TV. That was well done. Uh, Good character hype packages for each guy. Let's us know who they all are. Uh, we give a point for the redemption story for Devlin. He had a tough showing in 2017, so they really, really build up. This is going to be his, uh, kind of comeback, but as we see, not quite. Um, and then a point for the Dunn versus Roddy strong history with them having been tag team partners and strong turned on him to join undisputed era. So there was a nice layer in there to the six man. Yeah. Uh, for the minuses, we got no depth or build really to the women's story. And it's just for a title shot the next night, but, uh, condensed tournament condensed show so that's our only minus for the build all right so that gives a total of plus three for build so pretty good there commentary uh we didn't mention this but it was mauro ronaldo and nigel mcginnis i know uh, i don't think either of us are really big mauro fans so we'll see how that plays out as we go um i was okay with them like i never hated them but i also wasn't like in awe of them uh but they are good here they do a nice job telling the background of every competitor they do a smooth job of that. So I actually gave, we give two points for that because there's a lot of new guys that they got to get over. Mm-hmm. They do a good job. We gave him a point for their work and on telling Devlin's story. 
<clears throat> so they did a strong effort there. Uh, give a point for them selling the moment of the reveal of the NXT UK brand. Uh, they really go in all in to make it feel special for the UK fans. Uh, I really like too the work they did. Uh, talk about Royal Albert Hall when Sean comes out. They talk about how he was there for the big battle royal at Royal Albert Hall, fighting the Nasty Boys. So it was a, like extra special touch that they took the time to mention Sean's history in the building. I thought that was cool. Yeah, not me. Um, <laughs> for the minus, Morrow says that Gallagher smoked Gibson like a Rasta in some kind of offensive accent. Uh, yeah, neither of us are super big on Morrow. Mm. Um, I prefer his SmackDown work where he was probably getting bullied mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> being reined in a little bit. Uh, Morrow says that Triple H is the brainchild of NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we can thank Triple H for the obstacle course uh, era of NXT. Morrow shoehorning in of pop culture comments and mm-hmm. jokes. Uh, this was a big one for me. Enough with the MMA talk. Oh, my gosh, dude. Everybody is a trained practitioner in MMA. And, oh, everybody is a judo whatever belt. And this person is trading with this person. Mm. Uh, okay, then go do MMA. Just go do that then. Because, like, this is professional wrestling. And um, I don't mind other sports being brought into professional wrestling. But, like, for some reason with MMA, it's just, like, right. uh, oh, maybe because it's too close to wrestling. I don't know exactly what it is. Or there's this thinking that, like, MMA is better because it's, quote, unquote, real. But, like, just enough of the admiration and MMA talk. And, like, everybody is trained in MMA for some reason. Uh, another minus here is that everyone is unique but everyone is also like someone else that you've seen before so like how are they unique if they are just a updated version of insert wrestler here from the 80s or 90s um i didn't care for that and then every move being credited to someone else like if you see something unique or something that catches your eye or something that snaps oh it came from Japan. It came from here. Mm. It, shades of this person. Shades of that person. A callback to this person. Uh, you know, Adam Cole snaps off the, you know, the suplex onto the knee. Oh, it's a Hiroshi Hiroshi. Like, <laughs> it's, I, 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 I hate to sound like this, but if you're going to be talking about like the WWE universe and the NXT UK universe and like WWE right. is its own isolated world and planet, then like. I don't care that like this move came from Japan and like that is excellent knowledge that Morrow has. And like, sure, I know that, but I don't want to be reminded of that in the moment. I don't want to think of another wrestler or somebody else when I'm having, you know, these wrestlers on screen. When I see Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator, I don't want to think of Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. Like, right. just don't do that. You're not doing the stars any favors. You're making them seem lesser. Well, listen, I hope you find a way to name one of your moves the Hiroshi Karoshi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, negative one for commentary. Um, Morrow will be with us going forward in the season, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we give a point for the really good uh, intro video hyping what this means for UK. Two points uh, for the awesome venue and look of Royal Albert Hall. Just a, a great vibe. Uh, a point for the crowd being immediately into everything. We gave two points for the UK soccer chance going on all night. Just adds so much to the show. Uh, we give a point to the crowd humming uh, Iron Man to Joe Coffey's theme, which is cool. 
Uh, give a point for the cool uh, boxing style winner announcements of every match. Uh, a lot of wrestlers in the crowd, which is nice. Like everyone's there for the big night. Give a point for that. Give a point for the uh, the hot pot for Triple H. A point for the vibe with the six man with actual stars. Felt special. Uh, point for the pot for Sean. They even sing a song after it ends, which is cool. So a lot going on. This crowd was a big addition to the show. Yeah, crowd definitely stands out. The soccer chants were um, a nice shakeup from what we're accustomed to in the States. Uh, but let's take a look over the minuses. Uh, the crowd is pretty dead for Banks and Smith. I don't blame them. And uh, take some of the impact away from the tournament. Like it feels like Banks got handed this tomato can uh, right. in a way. Um, and I felt that the whole show, uh, it felt a little canned with the interstitials. Um yeah cutting to somebody training backstage or warming up um, or some of the, like, you know, the outside shots or whatever um, little things like that. For some reason, it just felt like, okay, this is a tape show and it's been in the can for a little bit, but right. Um, yeah. Those are the only two real uh, minuses for uh, atmosphere. Right, so I give us 10 for atmosphere, which wow. is big, um, but I think it makes sense. Like it's such a unique look and the crowd is so into it. All right, notable moments. We give a point for Gallagher tapping clean, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the big point uh, for Tony Storm winning that match and staring down with Shayna. Uh, a point for Proud Papa Triple H and Johnny Saint announcing the UK brand. A point for Gibson's Helter Skelter on the floor, which looked really cool. A point for Coffee turning heel and attacking Banks, setting up a UK feud. Uh, a point for Tyler Bates' giant swing to Roddy Strong with Cole on his back, which was amazing. A point for the big win for British Strong Style, setting up the brand over Undisputed Era. And a point for Pete Dunne his revenge on Roddy Strong. And a point for Gibson getting established with the win. That was especially Dunne getting his revenge on Strong. I really enjoyed yeah. that. It was some good storytelling. Um, over in the minus category, we've got Devlin losing in round one after lots of hype and all the effort they put into him, uh, putting him over on commentary. Mm-hmm. And um, this whole entire show is kind of a parade of canceled people um, mm-hmm. following the uh, speaking out movement on Twitter in the summer mm-hmm. of 2020. Um, this show definitely does not age well. So if you are somebody who is um, sensitive uh, and in tune to that kind of thing, and that could prevent you from wanting to watch a show, then mm-hmm. um, I think this whole show, maybe with the exception of a couple matches is a, a giant skip. Yep. So that gives us a seven for notable moments. Uh, just not a lot of, detracting from it but um some positives there for sure 4.75 for total score in the match grades uh for card structure we gave a, a good a point for a good choice to open with a known guy in gallagher uh nice job following the opener of a big boy battle so kind of balancing that out uh, a point for the good placement of the six man to heat up for the main event and then a point for building up gibson submission hold like you, you talked about it a couple times uh, throughout the night and on the minus side we've got um Tough to open uh, night one with a long mat match, um, even though it was a good face heel dynamic. Um, a little tough there. Uh, maybe something a little bit faster paced to get things going a little bit uh, quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the triple threat, again, like we said, should have been a singles match or some kind of promo just to set up Shane and Storm. And the Shawn Michaels promo, um, my personal <laughs> dislike for Shawn Michaels aside um it felt like okay we're trotting this legend out here just to buy time to get to the main event yeah like I would have just had him with Triple H and Saint like I didn't think mm-hmm. we needed another right he doesn't, he doesn't really say anything different or do it on night two 
Like, why do we need it both on night one? Yeah, sure. All right. Our rewatchability, we give uh, a point for Triple H announcing NXT UK. Like, that was a really cool moment. It's, it would be worth watching again just to see the crowd reaction. Yeah, it's, it's a good moment that, um, you know, unfortunately, I think could have meant a lot more. But in mm-hmm. the moment, it's pretty cool. Uh, in the minus category, we got the women's triple threat being a clear step down in, in ring quality from what we've seen um, up to that point so far. Uh, the UK style of wrestling makes it a tough watch uh, if you're like just used to the WWE presentation. Um, matches have a little bit different structure. They tend to go longer. There's a lot more um, high spots. Um, but also sometimes there's a lot more like limb work, which could be a little on a meandering to sit through. Uh, and the event features a lot of talent named during speaking out. We want uh, negative two there. Yeah, definitely. Could hurt the rewatchability for sure. Uh, no all-time matches. So that brings us a total score of 21.75, which is a pretty huge score. And mm-hmm. I think maybe for the second time in this project, Marcus, I had a spiraling a bit. Like, okay, are we doing this right? But, I mean, the atmosphere is is awesome. Uh, there's a bunch of moments and not many negatives. There's good matches. So it's like, it's just a really good show. Like they may not know about um, that's out there to watch. So, you know, we'll see if night two can keep up with night one, but night one finishes pretty high for us. So it ends up being a top eight show right behind Chicago two uh, for us. So Chicago two is a 22 and a half. This is 21.75. So it is now a top 10, top nine show. UK Championship Tournament 2018, night one. Yeah, um, if you are a champion of the NXT uh, brand, uh, fear not, because I think uh, NXT is going to fare quite well mm-hmm. uh, with the system. Uh, I think there's plenty of moments in entering work to make up for the lack of uh, maybe promos and other other things that could uh, bolster up a show. And this is just a start. Uh, you know, our next episode will finish off uh, the UK Championship Tournament Night Two, uh, and then we've also got a big one with NXT Takeover Brooklyn Four. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. So we'll see if UK Night Two uh, can hold up to what UK Night One delivered. Uh, but Brooklyn Four will be interesting because you know, like we we're talking about, is Brooklyn really the centerpiece show? Maybe not Mania Weekend as much, but uh, we'll see how uh, Brooklyn Four holds up long term as we break into it all right let's uh listen north south connection there's tons of stuff dropping literally every day with Cronosa daily at 8 a.m and then a usual uh, later in the morning we'll have your daily output as well covering the gamut of pro wrestling both old and new plus some pop culture stuff sprinkled in as well with the new home of the jenny position on wednesdays jennifer smith's cadre of shows has moved over to north south so every wednesday you get a new offering from her and then uh, before and after each major pay-per-view event, you get a preview from Ryan Gray. And then after immediately, Marcus, you and Tim, not the tool man, Taylor, uh, deliver us uh, viewer's choice, which breaks down every major pay-per-view within hours of it being uh, wrapped up. So that's really cool feature that we have here in North South. You can check those out. Plus all the other great content that we have to offer. All right. You want to quickly run through our pay-per-view list and we'll wrap up? Uh, yep. So I could get over there. Um, there we go. Okay. I uh, want to start from the bottom. Last place over the limit Last 2011 place. with a negative nine. Followed by United Champions 2011 with a negative three. WrestleMania 11 with a negative 0.75. Elimination Chamber 2012 with a 2.75. No Mercy 99, the UK edition with a four. 
Royal Rumble in 1995 with a 5.5. TLC 2011, 6.25. Royal Rumble 2012 with a 6.5. King of the Ring 94, 6.5. Survivor Series 94, 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011, 8.75. Survivor Series 1999, 8.75. SummerSlam 94 with a 9. Vengeance 2011 with a 9.5. Hell in a Cell 2011 with 11.5. Uh, Rebellion 1989 with a 12.5. No Mercy 99 US uh, version 13. Uh, Capital Punishment 2011 with a 13.75. Tied with WrestleMania 2000, 13.75. Followed by WrestleMania 28 with a 14.5. Armageddon 1999 with a 15.75. Uh, King of the Ring 1999 with a 16. Backlash 99, 16.25. Unforgiven 1999 with a 16.5. Survivor Series 2011, 18.75. Hey, UK Championship Tournament 2018 Night 1 with a 21.75. So we're going to top 7 now. Take over Chicago 2, 22.5. No Way Out 2000, 22.5. Our top 5, SummerSlam 11 with 23. Fully loaded 1999 with a 26.25. Royal Rumble 2000, 28.5. Money in the Bank 2011 with a 28.75. Our number one show still reigning on top, SummerSlam 1999, 38.25. So we'll see if anything from this NXT season can touch it as we move forward. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll continue through season four, NXT 1819. Until then, live your life above replacement level. Thank you.